You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Amen, church. All right, so uh, before I start, I want to give it up to everyone who has made tonight happen. Uh, believe it or not, a few months ago, we got word that a lot of the marrieds were going to be on a retreat, so things were going to be in the hands of the single professionals. And uh, initially, you know, you, you hear it, and then you have to think about it to realize what that really means. Uh, and it meant that, like, the singles would be in charge of making tonight happen. Uh, and not too long ago, our boy Dink, who leads the singles, leads to lead the singles, uh, decided to get himself engaged. So he's moving <laughs> to the, uh, the next level. Uh, and somehow, some way, uh, I was, uh, I was put in the position of helping to lead the West Side Singles. So, uh, anyway, it eventually dawned on me that I would be somehow involved in helping tonight happen. Uh, and it was a, it was a wake up call, cause I had, I'd never done this before. So anyway, just wanna get one thing straight. I'm a regular guy. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a 35 year old entrepreneur in the tech space. I got like several jobs. This is not my job. So just, whatever your expectations are, just like tamper with them a little bit. And I speak for Zayed as well. Yes. So anyway, we have a, we have a great night planned ahead of us. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I'm going to say a word of prayer and then we'll jump right into it. So if you want to bow your heads with me for a second. God, thank you so much for this time. Uh, it's always a, a pleasure and an honor to get in your word. Uh, you know, I know for sure that um, every single one of us in this room is equipped to minister your word. Uh, whether a preacher, uh, whether just a regular, you know, hardworking person, it doesn't matter, Lord. You know, like you've, you've given all of us the power to, to administer your word, and I'm grateful for every opportunity to speak it. I do pray that as we get into your word tonight, uh, that we open up our hearts and, and really think about what the scriptures are saying. Uh, really think about how it applies to our lives uh, and, and make a very solemn assessment uh, of where we are today, you know, and, and be honest with ourselves. Uh, I do pray that we continue to cherish the relationships in our lives. Uh, I know for sure that it's, it's pretty much impossible to uh, try to please you on our own, Lord. We need the help of everyone around us, uh, friends, family, and, uh, and I do ask that we're able to take advantage of that as well. Um, and not listen to the lies that Satan continues to try to tell us, Lord. Um, I thank you so much again. I pray you bless the, uh, the rest of the evening. Uh, definitely looking forward to a wonderful evening. All these things we pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, the title of the, the lesson today is, Who Do People Say You Are? And uh, just, you know, a little bit about me. I turned 17 years as a disciple yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I, I felt like of all the places to turn 17 as a disciple, the West Side is like the one place where that's like a joke. Because there's so many people here that really deserve a round of applause. Uh, when you've been a disciple for decades, you know, 20 years, 30 years, and I'm pretty sure we got some of it in this room, uh, that's impressive. You know, um, it doesn't matter how long you've been a disciple, the fact that you're still faithful to God is everything. So, but I'm, I'm grateful, you know, it's been, uh, uh, I was 18 at the time, it's been a long journey, uh, but I'm grateful to say that I'm happier than I've ever been in my whole life. Amen. You know, I've never been happier, uh, I don't regret a single day of it. Um, I've learned a lot of lessons, I wish some people told me stuff earlier that I had to learn the hard way, but better late than never to learn. Right. So uh, anyway, uh, I uh, just look a, a little bit more about me. I, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I run a company called Diversity. We help minorities get jobs in the tech space. Uh, I consult with Exploding Kittens, uh, and I'm also working on a, a disciple dating app. So uh, if you have any questions about any of those things, talk to me after. <laughs> Let's get back to the scriptures. All right, so who do people say you are? Uh, I have a question. If, so, if you ask somebody in your life today, who would you say I am if somebody asked you? What, what do you think they will say? I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a weird thing to ask someone, I would say. You know, like I've never asked anyone that question. But it was something that Jesus asked his disciples. Jesus knew who he was, but there was something about him that felt to want to know what other people said he was. And it's probably because he did want to make sure that he was delivering, he, he was being the person that God wanted him to be in a short time on earth. So he had to make sure that at the very least the people in his life knew who he was. Uh, and then he asked the question. But I would throw that question back at you guys. If somebody asked you who you are, who would you, what do you think they will say? 
Uh, you know, are we, are we defined by our education? You know, oh, he's a very intelligent person. He went to Yale and Stanford. Uh, are we defined by our occupation? You know, what we do for a living. Because a lot of us here work, you know, singles, professionals, marrieds. We all work. We got to pay bills. It's West LA. It's not cheap. Uh, so mo- a lot of the time we spend is at work. Right? But are we defined by our jobs? Uh, is that what people remember, what they think about when they just look at us? Are we defined by the things that we own? That's supposed to say belongings. It's a typo, not belonging. But are we defined by the things that we own? You know, like our properties, our house, car, um, I don't know, stocks, bonds. Uh, do, do the things that we own on this planet define us? Is that what we spend a lot of our time thinking about? Uh, of course, talent. I mean, we're, we're in Hollywood. We're in the entertainment capital of the world. Uh, all the time, you know, I, I hear of folks who moved to L.A. to pursue an act, uh, a career in entertainment. It's amazing how, how many of those people they are. Like, I've, I feel like I'm the anomaly uh, because a person may have a regular job, but they're, 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 they have a passion for being in the entertainment industry. But is that what defines us as well, is the talent that God's given us? I know there's a lot of musicians in the room. Uh, are we defined by our significant other or our family? I know when I became a disciple um, 17 years ago, my, the hardest thing for me was my family. You know, up until that point, I pretty much lived my whole life trying to please my mom and dad. I loved them so much, I still do, but everything I did was to make them happy. And the day I was going to get baptized, I called my parents and I, asked, and I told them, I said, hey, you know, it's Tuesday, 2002, I've decided to become an actual Christian. And, uh, you know, they said, don't do it. They said that uh, they raised me right as a Christian, and that... If I, if the church wasn't part of the Orthodox Anglican church that I grew up in, I shouldn't do it. And that was actually the first time that I disobeyed my parents. You know, I was like, okay, thanks for the advice, and I did it anyway. <laughs> and super happy, still don't regret it. But, it, you know, it's the family. Sometimes our family could be the, act, the thing holding us back from where God wants us to be. Uh, and now what about the significant other? Boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse even? You know, I'm, I'm, in the bit, we'll read a scripture that talks about this, but um, it's, it's, it's incredible how uh, I look back and we, we heavily underestimate the impact of a, of a significant other in our lives uh, when it comes to who God wants us to be. Heavily. I've lost count of how many people who left God because of a relationship, you know, and it's happening as we speak. I mean, uh, it just happens all the time, and I think it's, it's really something that we have to be a lot more, a lot more vigilant about is the impact that the significant others in our lives have. Um, and last but not the least, are we defined by our true Christianity? You know, are we defined by what God put us on this earth for the relative short period of time that we will be? Is that what we're defined by? If someone thinks about us and, you know, just for a second, makes an assessment of who we are, would our Christianity or our discipleship come into their, their mindset? Is that something they would say? Even if they say, oh yeah, this person's a great worker, uh, they're very talented, would, would they identify any part of your spirituality? I think that's a question we should ask ourselves. And it's not really a one-time question. I think it's a, because people get hot and then they get cold. But I think it's something that we should constantly ask ourselves is, okay, today, uh, on this third day of November, on the fourth day, like, am I living a life that will reinforce my identity as a Christian? Uh, every one of us is here for a reason. You know, we all, we believe God, we, we fear God, we love God, uh, we value our relationships with God, but it has to count. You know, it really, it really has to count. Okay, um, so before I look at our first scripture, uh, I want to talk very briefly about this movie called Train to Busan. <laughs> this is one of my favorite movies. So, uh, <laughs> we had a, we had a Halloween horror night, uh, on Thursday at our place, and, uh, this movie, uh, it, it taught me that the West Side region has a lot of screamers. <laughs> a lot of screamers. And uh, I'm not going to say any names, but uh, Joel, Agatha, uh, Emma. <laughs> we got some screamers in this house. But, uh, you know, so, so it's, a, it's a very interesting story. Um, this guy, he's a hedge, he's a hedge fund manager, uh, divorced from his wife. He works a lot. And he's taking his daughter from Seoul to Busan uh, because it's her birthday weekend. And she wanted to spend it with the mom. So he's taking her, you know, he's accompanying her all the way from Seoul to Busan. Uh, and on the train, it's a high-speed train. On the train, uh, uh, an infected lady managed to sneak onto the train right before the door closed. And the conductor didn't see it because he was waving, you know, the train can move. Uh, and before you know it, I'm not spoiling anything, by the way. You should still see the movie. Before you know it, the, the thing, it spreads so fast. 
uh, and, and before you knew it, everyone starts getting infected. Uh, and and they, they get infected so fast, and they just start running towards the next human being for obvious reasons. Um, and you know what was interesting? A lot of the people, when they saw the, the horde coming towards them, they just kind of went like that. <laughs> some, some of them even, even had their phone on. Uh, now, I, I know it's obvious to a lot of us here, but if you're on like a train or on a plane or on the bus, and you see people like acting rabid, just run. <laughs> <laughs> It's I, I, I never understand why it's so complicated. Like, run. Anyway, but I bring this story up because um, th- this guy lived his life day-to-day just managing people's funds. And before you know it, the whole thing changed. It changed in a jiffy. It was the, it was the last thing from a normal day that he experienced. And the reality for us is that we, we a lot of times, even as Christians, we just live our lives. You know, we wake up. You know, you have your quiet time, hopefully. Exercise, hopefully. Go to work come back, have dinner, maybe a Bible study, or maybe just watch, watch TV or a movie. But we just like live our lives. Uh, but the reality is that it could change in an instant. Uh, it could change by people's hands, or it, can change, it will change by God's hands. It will, it's guaranteed to change by God's hands. But people's hands, it can change as well. And, and we, all the time we hear of natural disasters. I know we're dealing with the fire now, uh, the Getty fire. But all the time, things happen that just change our lives, like boom. And... It would only matter as much if, once again, we're living a life that people identify us as Christians. Uh, if we're living that type of life, that's when it matters for the better. Uh, and that's, that's really my encouragement here. Uh, let's look at a scripture where Jesus asks what people say about him. So we could just read along. We have everything on the, on the slides. Matthew 16, verses 13. When Jesus came to, re- to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then we know the story from there. God, you know, Jesus decided to build his church on that conviction. But I thought it was amazing that um, you know, first of all, it's great that the disciples knew what people were saying or who they were saying Jesus was. And a lot of those things weren't that far from the truth. Uh, but Simon hit the nail on the head. You know, he said that you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And I can imagine what Jesus was feeling at the time, because Peter had said a lot of things that Jesus was like, you know, face palm. Uh, but at that time, I, imagine, I can imagine what it is. He probably felt a sense of relief. Like, oh, thank goodness. These guys know who I am. They're not doubting. Uh, you know, even Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, he doubted. You know, John lived his whole life preaching the coming of Jesus. And then Jesus came, and John doubted. He said he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, like, are you who we say you are, or are you somebody else? Um, so I imagine Jesus felt a sense of relief when uh, Peter made this testimony. And my again, for us, do we have that sort of assurance that, oh yeah, if you ask if you ask Zaid, he will tell you who I am. Or if you ask Mofe, he will tell you. Mofe's are bringing our slides, by the way. You know, thanks so much, bro. But if you ask him, he will tell you who I am. Is that something that we're, we're sure of? Um, if it's not, I, I would encourage you to think about that. Uh, if you're if you're so not sure, you can ask someone like, "Hey, who do you think I am?" Or ask someone to ask someone so that you don't skew the results. Um, but let me let me talk about let me talk about convictions real quick. Uh, there's so many things that come to mind when we talk about convictions. Right, and we could be here all night if we're gonna go through all of them, but I chose one, uh, and I think the one is obvious to us. Dating, right? A lot of people in this room are single. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you guys what you don't already know, but I would even take it to a higher level and say relationships. Cause we had this interesting conversation the other day, Oscar and myself. We said, what does it mean to be yoked with a non-believer? You know, in the, in the church we use, uh, we, we, we particularly talk about Dating relationships when we talk about that. That's why we generally date within, within the, uh, the confines of our convictions. But have you thought about the fact that you can actually be yoked to someone that you're not dating? You could be yoked to your coworker, or you could be yoked to your business partner, you know, you could be yoked with your boss even. Uh, it's just a factor of who you spend a lot of time with and who you're influenced by, who you influence and you're influenced by. And I think a lot of times we don't think about this. You know, we say we have, oh, my best friend, if your best friend's not a Christian, but how close are you guys really? Like, are you guys close enough to the point where you're yoked? 
Because if you are yoked, that, that's contrary to the scripture that we're about to read. And I think it's something that we should absolutely think about as well. It, so when it comes to relationship convictions, in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Bilal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And I think Jesus knew why, you know, this was said, when Paul wrote this, like it was clear that, that this, this might have been a tendency, but once again, it may have been clear that people underestimated the impact of being close to someone who influences your life in a direction that doesn't make you closer to God. And my encouragement is to not just think about this for dating, because I know that's the context that we bring it up a lot in, but in anything. Uh, you know, and I remember my, my, be- my best friend when I first became a Christian, you know, uh, back then, uh, the, the next day I hit him up, you know, I was like, hey, Emmanuel, you know, I got baptized, because we grew up together. I've known him since I was one. Uh, we went through the exact same uh, spiritual journey, and then we both went, I went to school in the U.S., he went to the U.K., so he was in the U.K. at the time. And I told him, I said, hey, Emmanuel, you know, I, I, uh, I just, I learned a lot. I learned that we're, we're not Christians, you know, and uh, we, we have to go through a process. And uh, I told him, you know, I, I became a, a Christian, uh, and I, I would love for him to become a Christian as well. You know, and you just kind of assume it's your best friend. They'll do whatever you want, you know, like you guys are that tight. Uh, and you know what he said? He said, you know, that's true, but I don't want to get baptized again. You know, I'm too grown, and I will feel embarrassed. And I thought that was interesting, you know, because it wasn't even, oh, my pa- what will my parents think, or... You know, like, am I really ready for this change? It was something so trivial. But I remember, this was 2002, and we're in 2019 now. And I realized that over 10 years had passed since I last had a conversation with him along these lines. And I've seen him, I've seen him like several times a year. I mean, he, he lives in Trinidad now, but I see him all the time. And we're still close. I wouldn't say he's my best friend, but we're still close. Um, but it's interesting because as close as we are, I, I so seldom had that conversation with him. I mean, I had no idea why. But anyway, I went to go visit them in Trinidad, and I said, you know what, this is ridiculous. Like, this is one of the closest people to me, and we rarely talk about the most important thing to me. You know, so I said, hey, listen, we're going to have this conversation now. And we had it. It went for a while. Uh, you know, and, and I, I, I've learned to trust that if someone doesn't respond the way you want there and then, it doesn't mean God's, God's not doing this thing. God still works. You know, it's, it's oftentimes, I hate rejection. Let's, like, I hate rejection. Uh, so I'm very sensitive to someone not responding affirmatively on the dot. But I've had to learn that when it comes to God's word, it's more powerful than what we can say or do. Right. Your job is just to deliver it, right. and then it will do its thing. Right. Several scriptures talk about that. So that's my encouragement. You know, I think it does comfort me that uh, God's word is more powerful than my ability to influence or my tact, you know, or how, how well of a speaker I am. That, that stuff doesn't matter. Uh, and he got, God could work through everyone. He worked through people who couldn't read or write. Right. Uh, in an in a, in age where the teachers were the most revered people, the folks that, that God worked through were people they said were unschooled. So I think that should go to show what God can do uh, in our lives as well. Uh, I'm going to share a quick story uh, about a childhood experience uh, to tie to convictions around relationships. Uh, I have a, So I have two older brothers. One of them is a half-brother from my dad's first marriage. And he grew up in England. His mom was British, and I didn't meet him for the first time until he was 14. I always saw his picture in the house growing up in Nigeria, and I knew who he was. I was like, that's my dad's other son. But that was all I knew about him. I knew he was in London growing up. Uh, so one day he moved back, you know, and I'm sure they'd been trying to work out. I plan to have the conversation with my dad this Christmas because we still haven't, I don't have the full story. Uh, of, of that childhood. But anyway, so they decided to move him back to Nigeria from England. And uh, the whole time he was raised by his mom. So I, I know it was a little bit of a, you know, like a, a experience to adapt and just to acquaint with the, the culture and the way we did things. So one day he was hungry. He was hungry, ready for dinner. Uh, and he went to the kitchen and he asked the, um, the maid who was cooking, you know, he said, hey, I'm hungry and I want to eat. And she said, well, you have to wait till we cook for everyone because that's how we do it. You know, the, the, the food's cooked in a big pot and everyone eats at the same time. So he said, well, I'm hungry now. I've been, I'm starving. And she said, well, you just have to wait. 
So, you know, he, he moped to his bedroom and uh, sh- he slammed the door. So, you know, me and my siblings were like, okay. And the next thing you know, we heard a loud thud. Like it was boom. I've never heard anything like that up until that point. You know, like, because, you know, it's, it's usually it's quiet. You kind of pre- predict what people are doing around the house. But uh, we heard this loud sound we'd never heard before. Uh, so we didn't know what it was. And we heard it again and then realized that it was coming from my brother's room. It happened the third time. This time my dad came into the picture all the way from his living room. And, uh, you know, he's, so he, he, he knows it's coming from my brother's room. And he's walking to my brother's room. And then we're all, like, sneaking behind, you know, like, trying to see what's going on. So, uh, so he goes into the room. He opens the door. And, uh, you know, we see my brother punching holes in the closet. Uh, just punching, you know. He, he must have energy and a punch. That's why it was so loud. So, um, you know, immediately my dad slapped him. And, uh, you know, he, he fell to the ground. And my dad said, you know, look, we don't do things that way around here. You know, we're, we, we show self-control and discipline. Now you're going to wait if you're hungry. Because I think, you know, he had asked what was going on. And, you know, maybe the, the, the lady cooking said, oh, yeah, he wanted to eat. And uh, we weren't ready for the food. But um, from that point on, I think my brother learned a lesson that he probably had never learned, you know. And I think it was interesting how the slap reoriented just his, his life, his, his being, you know. Um, and I feel like that day I learned the power of a slap. I don't know how many people here have gotten slapped, but I've gotten slapped many times. Um, it's, it's been a long time since I got slapped. It's probably been like over 20 years. Uh, but I will never forget its power. All right, it's even in the Bible, it's in there eight times. So um, anyway, that said, the older I get, you know, um, and I'm single, even though I have the desire, I realize that I'm not immune to how Satan can work, uh, even in my life. Despite how long, you know, I've been fighting to stay faithful in, in this area of my life. And uh, I'm not beyond what I've seen happen to so many of my friends, which is leave God for a relationship. So um, I one day asked the closest friends in my life, I said, hey, guys, you know, if I ever come around uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with a lady and you guys could see that, you know, I'm being yoked with someone who doesn't share the same convictions as I do, slap me. <laughs> I, I would know exactly why. Just you have my permission. Um, Westside region, today I'm giving all you guys the authority to slap me if I ever do something like that. Because I will immediately know why. If someone slaps me, I will immediately know why. Because it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen often. Probably doesn't happen enough, if we're being honest. But you guys have my permission. Anyway, so let's move on. All right, so, um, yeah, we yoke with anyone who influences us more than we influence them. I, I think that's a question we should definitely ask. Um, are we yoke with someone who uh, influences us more than we influence them? Uh, particularly that's not uh, Christian. All right? And now I'm going to end with, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to bring our thoughts together with scriptures around rejoicing and hardships. So earlier when I shared that, I wish there were some things that people told me, what, you know, my early days as a Christian. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of things that I've learned just over time that have really affected me spiritually that I had no, you know, I could have probably used my imagination, but it just didn't occur to me because at 18 years old, you're just trying to like not flunk out of school. Um, you know, and hoping you get a job like, or you, you know, you get into college and all that stuff. So all that said, uh, I know for me, uh, of a lot of the things that I've been through, uh, death is a big one. You know, uh, I think maybe when I was 29 or so, that, that's when my age mates started passing away. You know, people who were friend, I've been friends with for so long, that's when it started happening. And uh, it's been happening consistently year after year, you know. And I, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes, I believe, that talks about it's better to be in a house of mourning uh, than a house of, of uh, laughter and joy. And I always struggle with that scripture, you know, because I'm not that kind of person. Like, I'm not like a moper, you know. And, uh, and I wrestled with that scripture for so many years. I was like, why on earth should someone want, prefer to be in a place of sadness, you know? But as I, as I realized how, how short this life is, it makes more, it makes more and more sense why that scripture was written the way it did. Because I think it's very easy for us to put hope in this life and think that it's that, that we're on here to just like last forever. Um, and again, forgetting that, that we're on here for a reason. Uh, there's a, a reason bigger than just living and 
going to work, going to school, going to work, getting married and having kids or whatnot. Uh, th- there's a much bigger purpose. And death reminds us of that. But it was definitely, it's, it's been, it's, it's something that's rocked, you know, certainly rocked my faith a lot, you know. And I think the challenge is to be able to go to God at any point of uh, discouragement and say, God, amen. You know, amen, you're in control. It's out of my control. You don't love me any less because of what's happening uh, in my life. And I think it's a very hard thing. But the disciples gave, the, you know, there, there was an example, uh, you know, in, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. This is just a small example. And if we preface it, you know, Oscar talked about this a few weeks ago at midweek. Uh, some of the disciples were, if you guys remember when Jesus got arrested, they all ran. And there was no guarantee that they were going to be crucified. They probably weren't, you know. Maybe they may have been flogged, perhaps. But they all ran away. I mean, they were afraid. But if you now look at it in Acts chapter 5, it says his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in, and they had them flogged. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And I thought it was interesting because (laughs) uh, I've been flogged before. And... I did not rejoice. You know what I'm saying? It's not really something you rejoice when it happens. And this is, uh, you know, when I was growing up, and guys, amen for different cultures, because my, I'll tell you, I'll, all day, all night, I'll talk to you about the African culture, the Nigerian culture, West African. Uh, it's very diff- very similar, but very different in many ways. Uh, discipline is a big part of our culture. You know, discipline is a big part of our culture. And I'm not, uh, you know, I, th- this is in no way if a flex, but uh, someone sent me an article the other day that said that, Nigerians are the most successful people in the U.S. And I think it has to do with flogging. <laughs> but anyway, so I thought this was interesting because, uh, you know, when we were growing up, I don't know if you heard of a Koboko, but we, we, if you were really bad, if you were a really bad child, your parent could send you to go buy your own. They would send you to the market like, hey, go, go bring a cane, go buy a cane. They give you 10 naira, which is like really, really cheap. And then, you know, of course, if you were smart, you try and buy one that was weak, that, uh, that could break easily. <laughs> uh, but the problem is that a lot of them are made with, like, Chinese bamboo. Aww. And if you know anything about Chinese bamboo, it's so strong. Uh, it almost doesn't break, you know. And you could, you could bend it, and it would just come back to being straight, you know. So um, anyway, I, I share this because... There, there, there are things that people just don't rejoice for, right? For some people, it's being whooped. Uh, and I just joke about how a lot of times in Africa, you know how they say it takes a village to raise a child? I think in Africa it takes a village to whoop a child. Because it wasn't just like your parents, it could have been your auntie or your uncle or your teachers, even the guidance counselor. You know, like I just remember going through high school, like I have these like, yeah, uh, I wasn't fucked a lot thankfully, but I definitely witnessed it with uh, kids who were uh, uh, more on the stubborn side. But uh, there was just this collective mindset of, we're not going to sit back and watch our neighbor's kid throw his life away. Um, but all the same, it never brought rejoicing. Uh, maybe if I look back, uh, the one time I, or two times I got whooped, I'm like, okay, amen. Uh, but at the moment, it's certainly, it's certainly not like an hour after or a couple of hours. But the disciples were rejoicing. And I want to ask us, you know, like as far as um, the, the hardships that we go through, do we rejoice when these things happen? Uh, especially when it hurts. You know, especially when it hurts. I think sometimes we have hardships that don't hurt. You know, just inconvenient things like an accident happened when you were trying to make it to a job interview that you've been waiting for for a long time. I mean, that really sucks, you know, but it doesn't hurt you physically. But these disciples went through things that hurt them physically. So I definitely want to ask us, you know, like, do we have the mindset? And God forbid, you know, you never wish anything to happen to anyone that is not a happy moment. But do we have the mindset that we're willing to rejoice no matter what hardship we go through? I think for me, this is probably what I could use the heads up the most with when I studied the Bible. Uh, and it's something I ask people now. You know, Even if they haven't, no matter where they are in their life, I, I will explicitly ask the question, hey, is there anything that you think could, could sap your joy in Christ, could lead you away from God? Um, a lot of actors, we study the Bible with actors. That's the one question I ask them. Like, hey, do you think your acting career 
could, are, you, are you going to let your, your career in acting affect your relationship with God? Like, I expect a yes before we continue. If you can't give me a yes, we're done. Because it's not, I mean, you know, if, 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 if you're not willing to have that fight, because it's always easier said than done, it's a question I will ask. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up so I can pass the mic to Z. But um, I do want to wrap up with uh, something we do not talk about enough, uh, but we should, because that's really why, that's really what we're looking forward to. Uh, Jesus' second coming. All right, so second coming of Jesus, Matthew 24, 36, 36, 42. I'm going to read it. It says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day of Noah, and up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Let's keep reading. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken away, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So I do want to encourage us with, uh, you know, Francis Chen made this quote. You know, he had done a, a lesson on something similar. And uh, he said, Jesus may come at any moment. We should live with such urgency and purity that we focus our lives in the light of that truth. Uh, and it's something I want to encourage us uh, to encourage each other with, that we're only here for a short period of time. Amen. A lot of us will live, you know, till we're old or whatnot. Um, and Jesus could come back while some of us are still alive. But we're, we're here for a purpose. You know, God put us here for a purpose. We got to pay our bills. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like we got to, health is wealth. But what really matters is what we're doing for God's sake. Uh, so I'll leave us with these, uh, these, these brief points. Uh, always be ready. Let's always make time for God's kingdom in a deliberate way. Let's have convictions in our relationships and more. Not just relationships with people we're interested in, but just relationships in general. Let's rejoice in hardships. I know this one's easier said than done. I'm the, I should be the last person saying that from up here, but let's rejoice in our hardships. Uh, and the last but not the least, always be ready. You know, I'll say it again, always be ready. But I really appreciate the time. Thank you, thank you so much for letting me share. And uh, at this point, I'll hand over to Zaid. Hello. Oh, this has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> Hi. Oh, wow. Hi. How are you doing, everybody? All right. Um, so, never done this before. I'm extremely nervous, but I love all of you guys. And I'm just going to be super transparent with um, where I'm at today. You know, this, so this is my journey, you know, and it's mine. I love that God gives us our own personal story, you know, but he's the, he's the writer of it. And um, I like to, you know, you can get this. So old self and new self. So I like to start off um, in thinking about my walk with God. Is, do you really believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead? Do you honestly believe that? God sent his son to down the cross for your sins and for the sins of this world. Like, I struggle with that. Like, think about what we're saying. That he died for all of the sins of the entire world. Like, that, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. So if you claim that ridiculous statement, you don't get to choose what parts of the Bible are true or not. The whole Bible is either true in your life or none of it is true. That's especially it's something that I needed to wrestle with because I said, if I'm going to go and dip my whole life into Jesus, I need to understand I don't get to choose what that looks like. So the first, first uh, Corinthians 15, three to five. For what I received, I pass on to you as first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And he was buried that he was raised on the third day. And according to the, according to the scriptures, our entire walk, which why we're all here right now is because of that. Like, I, 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 I love that because that shows that it's not about me. And that shows that it doesn't depend on me, that I believe in something so much bigger than myself, that that allows me to live a righteous life, which is what I needed to know. Because my life, which we'll go into a little bit of my background, I'm not going to lie to you, I love sin. Like, I'm just going to be honest. I love sinning. It was, it's fun. 
It is fun. If you, if you don't have any like concept of that versus Jesus, you're going to love it. But then when I understand, I appreciate our Bible. I appreciate our community that actually studies the Bible with people. Because so many people are lost because they don't really understand what the Word of God is. I appreciate Nick, Chuka, and Oscar for taking time out of their life for study the Word of God with me. Because that is what transformed my life. That is the only reason I'm here today. And it says all Scripture. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say the parts that you like. It doesn't say, oh my gosh, today on Monday I'm going to accept this. And on Tuesday, oh no, that sister did this. Oh no, not today. They don't understand. It says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I know we say that in those studies, but do we actually believe that? And more importantly, do we believe it for our personal life? Because I know I sometimes look at the scripts like, oh, this one applies to me. I'm, I'm abundantly blessed in this area. You know, I'm doing all right. You know, God, I, I get to choose. He's like, no, all of the scripture applies to your life. So to give you a little background, this is a wonderful description of my old self. <laughs> I find it funny how the Bible so accurately describes who we are. So accurately describes who we are. Galatians 5, 19, 21 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies alike. I was like, God, get out of my head. <laughs> like, really, this, you know, you look and you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, raise your hand if, if any of these things described you at one point in your life. Everyone look around. And then I go back and think, is all scripture really God-breathed? <laughs> look. And you have to ask yourself, what are the characteristics of your old self before Jesus? Because I heard a really good statement. Success is define where you want to go, but define where you really are. I think with our walk with Jesus, where do I want to go with Jesus? Now, where am I? I love Bailey. You did. Can we clap again for Bailey? That was awesome. I love that. I think it's so funny how God worked through Bailey and the contribution. And now I'm over there looking like, does she still that for me? I was like, how does she know? I love it. I had to understand. You have to understand, which I, again, help and appreciate the setting where that once you accept Jesus' resurrection, that kills your old self. You don't get to carry that with you. You don't have a choice. You lost that choice when you said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I love that. And the verse that came to mind, again, thank you, Bailey. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, the life that I live immediately after I came out of the water. I think sometimes, you know, I know I can't, I know before I went in the water, I was like, that's a lot. You're asking for a lot, Jesus. I was like, I don't think I'm ready. I know Nick and them to, can attest to my studies. They're like, man, I don't think this guy's getting it. Because I was so scared. I was like, once I come out, I don't get to be that guy anymore. And it's a lot. But then it says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I think about that all the time. I'm not going to lie, guys. I think about it on my drive today. Like, this man died for my sins forever. I'm good. Like, and all he's asking for is my life. I was talking to Ron when he was doing his study. I said, I literally don't think I would have died for myself to gain interest into heaven. Even if I knew how good heaven was. I think about that. Like, I wouldn't die for any of you. I'll tell you that right now. Let alone myself to get into heaven. Like, do you think you would die for yourself to get into heaven after knowing what Jesus did? That's a huge price. And all he's asking is for our life. Which honestly, if you look, that's not a lot. That's not a lot at all. Are you striving to kill the old self that plagued you before Jesus? Or are you still struggling with those same issues? I believe once you decide to follow Jesus, you've chosen to strive and live by his standards. I think that's why it took me a long time. I think that's why my study was six to seven months. I was like, God, this is fun. I don't want to do this. I think that's why a lot of people get scared around baptism. It's like, man... 
That's crazy. You want me to stop doing this? You want me to break up with my girlfriend? You want me to, you want me to stop running after money? You want me to actually get into people's lives and care more about them? You want me to go and forgive my dad for infidelity? No, God, I don't think that's, I, I don't think that's it. And then he's like, but is it worth it? Was me dying worth it? The Holy Spirit. I love that. Because then you remember, you're not alone. It's not going to be up to you, Zahid. You can't do what you're asking for without me. You cannot do that. You cannot be forgiven without me. By me sending my Holy Spirit, you're going to have an advocator inside of you. Inside of you, living in you. It's living in us all the time right now. God said, hey, I'm going to give you this. It's a superpower. Nigga, every life I think of like the little devil and the little angel. I'm just like, what's up, dog? Mine is a super ghetto um, Holy Spirit. He's super funny, honestly. You would think if he's telling me like, what is he doing? He's over there cracking up by himself. And I love that. I love that we're given the Holy Spirit because we would not make it. And it says in John 14, 16 and 17, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. That is in each and every one of us right now. He was in it today. He was in it when you were struggling throughout the week this week. He's going to be with it when you lose family members, when your family members you say you're crazy because you're a Christian. He's going to be with it when that girl breaks up, when that boy breaks up, when that miscarriage happens, when that divorce happens. He's going to always be there for you. And we, that's what he died to give us that. And I think that's so encouraging to know, dang, I'm not going to be alone. I have the Holy Spirit. In Titus 3.6, for God poured out the Holy Spirit abundantly. He didn't say a little bit. He didn't say, I give you a little bit, Chuka, because you're hilarious. Or Big Dink, because he just spits fire all the time. I love you, Dink. You're the man, honestly. He didn't say that. God said, I'm going to give it to you abundantly. Like, do you actually believe that you have the Holy Spirit abundantly in your life? Like... That's crazy what we're saying. But remember the claim that we said we believe that a man died for our sins. So that's not so crazy. And I walk in victory knowing like, dang, I got the Holy Spirit, which means I am more than a conqueror, no matter what anyone says. You will receive it. And that will allow you to be anchored to Jesus. And I do think it is a superpower. I don't know if you guys have had those thoughts in your mind where you're like, oh man, this brother, you know, this person did this. And then something says, but what are you saying? That's not you. That's the Holy Spirit. When you're looking at that girl, that's when God's like, geez. I'm like, oh God, geez, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Or when that sister says, I need a ride, and you're like, oh, I'm too tired. Holy Spirit says, but remember I did that for you. Why didn't you do it for her? Or when they say, come and serve on Sunday at church. And you're like, oh, I'm tired from the night before, Jesus. It's not about that. The Holy Spirit does convict you, and I think that's a good thing. It, it reminds you, what price was paid for you? But it's a choice. <laughs> it's always working every single day in your entire life, but it is a choice if you choose to engage with the Holy Spirit or not. I needed to know that. I needed to know that. I, I sit here before you. I can't afford to go back to my 11-year cocaine addiction or the lesser, the immorality that I had, or the way that I treated people. Everyone says, oh my God, Zahid, you're so joyous. You know, I manipulated a lot of people. I did, and I liked it. So then I had to go and actively understand that the Holy Spirit is given to me, but I have to choose to access him or not, which means that if I don't, I'm choosing, which I appreciate, and they give me that to go and dismember the Holy Spirit from me. So the whole thing, I can't afford to say I'm struggling here. I think that's a struggle is in belief. You either believe it or it's not. I don't struggle with drug addiction anymore. I can't because look what Jesus did for me. I have victory in that. Purity? Are you kidding me? Come on. The Holy Spirit is way more powerful than we give it credit. You need to know that you're all more than conquerors. And I'm serious about that one. It saddens me when people, oh my gosh, I'm still struggling. But what? You have the Holy Spirit. I love it. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. You will not. And then it says in verse 24, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. 
Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep up in step with the Spirit. What are you choosing every day? How are you choosing? What are the decisions that you're making? Is it Zahid today, Holy Spirit tomorrow? I'm going to choose, oh my gosh, you know, Jesus here. Work with me at work, but you know, my dating, I got this. You know, I'm going to go and I'll serve here today, but no, not tomorrow. Oh man, I'm struggling today. With what? How is that even possible when the price was paid that was so high? I was talking to Nick about it. He gave me the best illustration that's helped me in my entire life. He said, you're struggling with sin and impurity? Okay. Think about Jesus' bloody hands looking at you, saying, don't do this, he. Please do not do this. I died for you to be free from this. And then you spitting in his face and saying, so what? I can't. That price is too high. That price is too high. No one should struggle anymore when we have victory through the Holy Spirit. The struggle should be otherworldly struggles. It should be external struggles that we cannot control. Because I know those struggles that we struggle are in old self, that's a struggle of disbelief. And I would really challenge you to go back and look why you became a Christian. If you study really the resurrection of Jesus, you'll never struggle again. You'll never struggle again. And it helps me a lot to understand that. That the Holy Spirit gives me the power to do that. And that I get to choose that. Thank God for the Holy Spirit because we have our new self. Thank God for the Holy Spirit because we have a new self. Amen. Like how awesome is that? I love that you could say, who do people say you are? That is such a good indicator of where you're at. We know this wonderful, wonderful verse, Galatians 5.23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you believe those attributes describe you today? Do you believe when you look at the mirror, yep, this is what it describes. That's me. Now, more importantly, since we are a a community that believes in making disciples, and unfortunately in this community that we live in and call this planet, people see us and who we are before they get to know who we really are. So do people think that about you? Or do they say you're a gossiper, a liar, a swimmer, you're mean at work? Oh, she just, she just is always talking bad about someone. She's always complaining about her job. Because we all know about hardships. And honestly, just a little quick note, I'm Nigerian, he's Nigerian, there's a bunch of people from other countries. People really struggle in other countries. They're really struggling. I thought about, I'm immeasurably blessed, and a kid in Syria is saying, I'm immeasurably blessed as well. Who do you say? So when you say joyful, are you truly joyful? Was salvation not enough? You have to ask yourself, who do people say you are? And you have to know that you are a new creation in Jesus. I believe that I'm a new creation. I know that I'm a new creation because he said it. He said it's all true. We're otherworldly. And that we are a new creation because of the Holy Spirit. That we are being transformed every single day. Every single day. I love what Chica said. It's a day, it's daily. You guys gotta know that. Like, I like to think of it as there's me, the world, the devil, and then Jesus. Like, there are so many things fighting for our soul every single day. Every single day. But who are you going to choose to believe? It's a choice. And lastly, and most importantly, this is the thing that just gives me so much peace of mind. That we have freedom in Jesus Christ. You are truly free. Free from the addictions. Free from the sexual immorality. Free from the things that plague you. Free from the self-image issues. Free from the divorce. Free from the miscarriage. Free from the cares of this world. You're free. You live a free life. You can stand being fully known by God who He is. Because of what He did for you. It says in uh, John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Either Jesus is right or you're, or, or you're right. There can't be two rights. And that helps me a lot. And I'm like, hey, I'm good. I'll sit the back. I'll sit back. I'll take a back seat. 
I don't want to be right in this instant. I want to be free. Who wants to be free in here? Like, do you really want to be free? All right, do you know that you're already free? You're free when you walked in here. Did it feel like it, though? Did you know that? You know, did you know you walked in freedom and you're going to walk in freedom when you leave here? It says in Romans six seventeen verse 18, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come, obeyed from your heart, the pattern of the teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You made it that decision, don't forget. You chose to follow Jesus. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I believe you could truly live a free and abundant life through Christ Jesus on this planet. And at the end of it all, that doesn't convict you enough. God sees everything. God sees every single thing that we do. God sees our, the creator of the universe watched your heart when you come in and he'll be watching your heart when you leave. He'll be there on that sermon where you're like, oh, I'm tired. I don't really want to hear another sermon. I love what Rick talked about with worship music. I've always remembered that. And that was right when I became a disciple, which is like a one year and three months ago. Would you be praising Jesus like that if he was sitting next to you? That really convicted me. I had my hands up after. I was like, Jesus! Oh my gosh! No one was even singing. (laughs) I was cracking up. But I love that. I love that. God sees your heart. God sees. God sees when you're serving. God sees your struggles. He sees your pain. And he loves you so very much. And it says in Hebrews 4.13, nothing in, all, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everyone is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who to whom we must give account. I thought about that, and I was talking with Chuka. I was like, you can either look at that as a bad thing or a good thing. You get to choose. I was like... I like that. I like that God sees what I'm doing for him. I like that he sees that his son didn't die in vain. That his son, that what his sacrifice is, is multiplying his kingdom. I love that. I did it before. So you have to decide. Practically, what do you want God to see in your life? Do you want him to look and say, oh, I'm proud. I'm not, I don't have any kids, but I can't imagine my mom. I love when she says, Oh my gosh, people just love who you are as a son. I mean, it makes me so proud that people say good things about you. How much more does God want that for us? How much more? He created my mom and he, he's probably like, oh my gosh. I love it. I'm so proud of you, Zaheed. I'm so proud of you, Westside Church, for what you're doing in your community. I'm so proud that you're taking your eyes off yourself and helping other people. I see that in everyone here and I'm so encouraged to be a part of this ministry. Thank you guys so much. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.